This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. New Year, same show. My name is Alex, I use they, Z pronouns, and this is Stride with Pride. Hello and welcome back to Stride with Pride. I hope you've had a fantastic however long it's been since you listened to the last episode. And I hope you've had a fantastic holiday period and new year. And if not, because a lot of times the holiday period isn't the best for a lot of queer people, I hope you can have a good time getting back to your friends and your found family. As a pre-warning, this episode is going to talk about sexualization. So we're going to touch on sexualization and fetishization of groups within our community. As well as that, we're briefly, briefly going to talk about how historically queerness has been associated with things like pedophilia and bestiality. So if that's not something you want to hear about, I will warn you before we're going to talk about that in the section. Um, but this whole episode is talking about sexualization. So if you're not comfy with that, feel free to skip this episode. So we'll start off this episode by first just talking about what sexualization is, just so we're all on the same page. Sexualization is seeing something, someone, a group, and turning it as something that is seen as sexual, whether or not it has anything to do with sex. But we're also going to talk about desexualization. So this is sort of the opposite. It's the act of taking away the sexual agency of something or a group of people or someone and seeing them as inherently unsexual and completely devoid of sexualness. So a lot of you listening probably already know, but we're talking about this because society sees queerness as inherently sexual a lot of the time. It sees it as something that is only sexual in nature and is no other kind of anything, which is especially problematic when it comes to kids' shows and kids' media and showing queerness in non-adult spaces, and is especially bad when kids say that they are queer and they feel that in their being and they you know tell people or you know they know that in themselves and then they observe other people like that um and who are completely hated on because of that and then they may be told no you're not that you're too young to be gay because the adults in their life assume automatically that being gay means that someone wants gay sex rather than that they just like someone who's like them which yeah it's a double standard, because you'll see a boy and a girl holding hands on the playground, and adults will be like, oh, their boyfriend and girlfriend were arranging their marriage, which is so weird. They are children. Like, uh, uh. But then they have this idea that if two people of the same gender wanted to do that, then, oh, well, no, but that's about sex. You can't have that around children, which is, we're going to get into with each, not all identities, obviously, but with common identities, how those are impacted by sexualization, desexualization, and and fetishization. That's really hard to say. Bear with me. I'm going to have to say it with a lot of intent. So if I'm saying it through this episode and it sounds weird, that's it. it's because it's taken a few tries. And like as a counter to this, a lot of people 
while a lot of identities are something sexual, a lot of people don't use the split attraction model that splits sexual and romantic attraction. And so when they say whatever sexual, they aren't necessarily just talking about their sexual attraction. They could be talking about their romantic attraction or other types of attraction. So like talking about their identity. They could just be talking about romantic relationships, which straight people are perfectly fine talking about if it's in a straight context. But if it's gay, no, that's not allowed. For some reason, homophobia, that's the reason, and compulsory heterosexuality. (laughs) This next bit is where I'm going to talk briefly about pedophilia and bestiality. Um, This next section goes on for a minute and 30 seconds, so skip forward that amount of time to avoid discussion of pedophilia and bestiality as relates to queerness, um, as well as brief discussions of um, how that relates to sexual assault as well. See you in a minute 30. So historically, what might have contributed to this is that being gay or being queer of any kind was lumped in with sexual disorders pathology-wise, so like medically, medical disorders and stuff. Um, and medical sexual dysfunction. And so this was lumped in with things like pedophilia and bestiality, things called deviant sexuality, which contributes to like a lot of harmful stereotypes and a lot of discrimination within our society that is still very prevalent today. Because, you know, it contributes to the predatory lesbian or gay person stereotype that like when your friends with someone of the same gender and they happen to be gay, that they're immediately going to attempt to come onto you and non-consensually do stuff with you, which is not the case. And society also sometimes equates sexuality with sexual assault in this way, worried that queer people hit on them, afraid of being assaulted by queer people when it's much more likely for it to be the other way around. And especially for gay men, with that being linked to pedophilia, especially within some religious organizations, gay people, especially gay men working with kids, are much more likely to be discriminated against and like not be allowed to be with them because there's this this worry that them being gay is automatically a sex thing and that they're going to do the sex things with the kids, which is absolutely not the case. Welcome back, those who were skipping over that section. We're back to not that section now. And all of the societal pressure really affects media for kids as well. Like, think about all of the times there's been huge public outcry when there's a tiny few second scene of queer people in like a Disney movie or a Pixar movie or anything like that. And how shows had to end when they depicted any kind of canonical queerness. Take Legend of Korra. They had to end the show with their queer moment because they wouldn't get it otherwise. And that was, you know, holding hands. And there was still huge outcry about that. And Steven Universe, when they had the lesbian wedding scene, there was so much backlash about that. And, you know, from the studio as well. This is huge because there's so much outcry that the gay people are making kids media sexual and we don't want them to be involved with that. Like, no, it's just, it's, it's love, man. But also this is like totally a result of purity culture as well and demonizing sexuality and very sex-shamey culture that is influencing this. And this is, I, I, I am generally talking about Western culture here, which is what I know and am familiar with, but I'm sure that it is the case in other non-Western cultures as well. 
though definitely not all, and colonisation has had a huge impact on a bunch of cultures and their views on things. And yay, white supremacy and colonisation, back at it again. Hurrah. So I'm going to move on to more specific identities now and how they're affected by sexualization by society and these are going to be like broad groups and what society categorizes people into so if it sounds sort of not super enlightened in terms of the nuance of identities it's because society is like that as well so we'll start with gay men gay men are very very sexualized by society but like in a really taboo way in a ooh, sexual and dirty don't get near that sort of way um and this is probably mainly because of the aids crisis but historically it's like the way they have sex is so unclean it's wrong and they're just associated with only the way they have sex which is stupid and also i'm gonna do a whole episode on the aids crisis i'm working on that and it's very harrowing to do research on (laughs) and so gay men were historically the like main ones to be criminalized um for their sex and yeah specifically for the way they had sex so like it was specifically the acts of sex that they did that was the illegal thing and so they were just associated with that and that became you know a cultural thing and so that was just how they were seen but they were also criminalized much more for this um because men were thought of as more sexual beings with more agency and mattered more than women because sexism. Um, So that has to be made wrong. And in some places where women's sex was made illegal, but a lot less places, which, I mean, yay for queer women. (laughs) But there were, and still are, a lot more rigid expectations on men and the way they should act. I do just want to clarify here that I meant, like, expectations of masculinity on men and how they should act, like there is and was... So many expectations put on women and people of other genders, um, and I absolutely am not trying to negate that by this, but I'm talking about living up to the standard idea of masculinity here, and there are nowadays still more constraints on what it means to be a man than what it means to be a woman, which is beginning to be broken out of, but um, like the constraints of masculinity seem to be much more rigid than the constraints of femininity and what can be encompassed within that and are seen as more sexual beings by nature. And so two men in a relationship must be super sexual, right? And gay male relationships are often seen as purely sexual, like with no emotional attachment at all, which like is not the case in a lot of relationships. Like maybe it is the case for some relationships and there's nothing wrong with that. Like we shouldn't shame people for wanting to have sex in their sexual relationships as long as everyone is consenting and adult and happy and healthy. Go ahead. But... Gay men are often super fetishized, usually by women, generally, generalizing a lot here, especially in fandom spaces. So gay ships are such a huge thing, which like, you know, finding representation when we can, like, yeah, but also they're super fetishized and there's like so much focus on the sex that they're having in this relationship, um, which isn't necessarily the case for a lot of other types of pairings. For lesbians, they are highly sexualized and fetishized usually by men and same with bisexual women queer women who are with other women or feminine presenting people usually other afab people there is a huge market for lesbian porn that is definitely not made for queer women to watch it is it is made for men to watch which like 
you're valid in your sexual preferences, but if you're fetishizing a whole group, and queer women are asked so many harassing questions about their sex life, and this is probably also true for any queer person, anyone that's different sexually, but a lot of the time, queer women get harassing sex questions, asking how they have sex, how do you do it, just from random people, which like, if you don't know someone, don't ask them about their sex life, unless they've consented to talk to you about it. And it's in that kind of situation. But generally, it isn't. However, the flip side to this is that queer female relationships are also sort of desexualized um, in some ways because sometimes it's seen as that that queer women relationships are all about the love and the romance and that saying they might have sex might taint that because, oh no, a woman might have sex for reasons other than a man. What? But, you know, there's the whole, like, ooh, sweet lesbian cottagecore couple to innocent sort of thing, which is silly. Like, queer women can have sex, and they do, for reasons other than for other people's enjoyment. It's it, it's almost like they might enjoy it sometimes, our concept. But it, it's it's also interesting because, like, any intimate relationship with males is automatically shipped and automatically they do any sort of affection towards each other, even like, you know, make eye contact or like comfort the other when they're sad, automatically shipped. But it takes so much convincing for someone to think two women might be into each other and might be dating. And there's often like still so much debate and you need to confirm it via like something sexual or, you know, with them kissing or doing something sexual because until then they could just be really good friends um so that double standard is stupid (laughs) for asexual people we are very very often desexualized it is automatically assumed that when you say you're asexual that you never want to have sex you don't want to engage in anything with that you're automatically sex repulsed and you think sex is gross and yucky and that you're also an uwu small bean who's too innocent and pure for sex or to make sex jokes and things like that. And people get surprised when an asexual makes a sex joke. And sex repulsed aces are absolutely valid. And like, if you do feel like that, power to you. Absolutely. But like, there are so many aces and not all aces are like that. Some aces have sex. Some aces like sex. There are sex favorable aces. And there are ace people who might not want to actively seek out sex, but won't mind it if it happens. Might do it for a partner. They might do it just because they enjoy it. They might make sex jokes. Lots of aces love making sex jokes. Like, automatically assuming that asexual people want nothing to do with sex at all is not good. (laughs) It is desexualizing them and taking away their agency. But also, like, asexual people are fetishized for this, with people saying that they can try and turn them, which also happens a lot for lesbians. Queer women and aces have a lot of similar oppression in the ways that society talks about them and stuff like that. And I'm going to do a whole episode on that. Um, I'm excited about that one, actually. The whole turning thing is usually said by men to afab asexuals or queer women and yeah um this is suggesting sexual assault to change their sexual orientation which is horrific and disgusting so stop love of god stop these people are not automatically sex repulsed it's a vast community and there are a vast number of opinions and views and ways people engage with sex and you shouldn't assume 
that just because they don't have sexual attraction, that doesn't mean they don't want anything to do with sex. People are diverse, y'all. Ace people also get a lot of questions asked about their sex life as well. Because if you say you're ace, then people are like, oh my god, I want to know everything about this. And they ask, you know, things like if you masturbate and if you think about sex or like asking if it's a hormone imbalance or you should just try it out and find out. It's There's a lot of stuff. Can people keep their questions to themselves unless the person you're talking to has actively welcomed the questions? Thank you. So I'm now going to talk about the ways in which some genders are asexualized, which like gender, first of all, has nothing to do with sexuality inherently. For some people, it's definitely tied to it. And in a lot of cases, you need to know your gender before you know your sexuality, because you might want to know which way you're coming at it from. But it is not inherently related. For assigned male at birth, trans or non-binary people, they are similarly sexualized in the way that gay men are, um, often because they are still seen as men, which, like, isn't the case, but they are seen with the same taboo sexualization, like, disgust, which is stupid. And a lot of the time, um, historically, people who were trans or non-binary and were assigned male at birth um, were seen as, like, just gay but dressing differently. Which, yeah, there's transphobia. And assuming that trans means that you're gay. And also that, like, you'll turn other people gay or queer. Which, like, is the same for, like, a lot of... For, for most sexualities. I don't think asexual is generally seen as contagious in society by, you know, queerphobic people. But, like, a lot of sexualities that are not straight are seen as contagious. And, oh no, you might turn my kid gay. Which... No, well, maybe, but that might just be helping them find out about themselves of what they already were and helping them feel comfortable seeing that. Ever thought of that, Karen? For assigned female at birth trans or non-binary people, they're often sexualized similarly to lesbians or queer women, um, but are seen as, ooh, spicy women, um, which I hate. I hate that phrase so much. But, yeah, no, they're fetishized for this as well. Um, seen as, like, oh, exotic experience. Ugh, gross. Isn't necessarily seen as quite as contagious. Um, it's just seen as, oh, it's, it's a phase of grow out of it. Um, but it's sexualized because of the exotic experience, which is gross. Which makes me feel gross thinking about it. Makes me feel gross thinking about all of this. But this seems to be a common theme that people who are assigned female at birth are sexualized in a fetishy way, um, generally by men, um, or they're desexualized and not seen as sexual at all and only seen as emotional. But for AMAB people, assigned male at birth people, um, their identities are sexualized in a demonizing way, in a taboo way, in a disgust way. Um... Which really sucks. So um, in this next bit, I'm going to talk a bit about reclaiming sexuality. So historically, we, but like a lot of the times queer men, um, which are more focused on by Western society um, and Western religions and things like that, um, were told and criminalized not to be queer, not to be sexual, don't be sexual like that you're doing it wrong and that's super bad don't do that um and super 
discriminated against for that. Um, and so a lot of queer men, especially um, the queer community as a whole, but specifically queer men, will reclaim their sexuality and be loudly sexual about it, which is not a bad thing. It is reclaiming something that was taken from them. And I've seen a lot of stuff in the community that's like, oh, well, if queer people don't want to be sexualized or be seen as only sexual, then they should stop being so loudly sexual, which is just respectability politics and is shaming people. <laughs> and that's, that's sex shaming. That's basically just saying we need to be respectable so that they accept us. But like a lot of them won't. And if you live your life trying to cater to people who don't like you, you're going to have a bad life. <laughs> a lot of people who say that, like, they're like, need to learn some history. Learn our history and how we were discriminated against for this and that we are reclaiming it and taking back our power. Like, ugh. But also remember, if you are having a sexual discussion, to make sure you have the consent of everyone present. But like, yeah, because we are loudly reclaiming our sexuality, it does mean that a lot of queer spaces are built around this because, you know, we had to hide. Um, and so we hid in bars and clubs and places that are generally for adults and are sexual. And so a lot of our queer spaces continue to be these spaces, these, these spaces that have alcohol and are really sexualized. Which is great. We, we love that for the people who love that. We shouldn't stop having these things. But we do want diversity in spaces that we have. We do want to have spaces for people who don't want to engage with the sexual nature of those places and the alcohol. We have a lot of problems in our community with alcoholism. And I think this is part of the reason why. So, you know, we want diversity in queer spaces. Spaces like cafes and queer youth groups and library groups, just, you know, queer spaces of all varieties, spaces for queer families and queer children. These are all things we need, but we also don't need to get rid of the sexual spaces. Spaces where queer people can exist and express themselves freely in a sexual way can and should still exist alongside these non-sexual spaces. And while the common argument is that, you know, being gay isn't inherently sexual, Look, there's romance too. That is sort of like, remember the discussion we had about allosexual aromantics? We need to keep the discussion open and not sex shamey. The solution isn't to say that we aren't sexual as a community, but it's changing the societal norm for it to be okay that you are sexual and like to not be sex shamey about that. Some queer people consider their sexuality a huge part of their identity and it's super important to them, and that includes the sex they have. And that is completely valid and a valid way to express your identity and to hold that within yourself. It's an important part of our community for a lot of people, and we don't want to get rid of that and shut that down and push it into a corner because, like, that's what cishet people have been doing for, like all of history, so like, let's not contribute to our own oppression here. <laughs> Basically, my conclusion is that queer people, as a community, are very sexualized by non-queer people, but we need to remember that sexuality is a valid part of existence, and 
our culture is really sex shamey and like purity culture focused. And so having identities be sexual is not a bad thing. But also like identities are also not inherently sexual. And like our identities are perfectly safe for kids. Can we get more kids show representation? I and mean, we have got quite a lot of kids show representation to be honest. Shira, beautiful. Love Shira. But we do need more spaces for queer people that are young or don't want sexual stuff or for families. And it's a nuanced discussion. Sexuality is not a bad thing. But we also do need spaces for people who don't want to engage with that. And all of that is absolutely fine. But the sexualization and discrimination and desexualization, not fine. Stop that. For this week's Creative Spotlight, I am going to spotlight Aiden Elizabeth, who is a YouTube and TikTok creator. They make a bunch of wonderful content, um, and they are a Muppets enthusiast, um, but also make a lot of media deep dives as well. Um, they've got one about a queer analysis of Gravity Falls, um, as well as just how gay Barbie and the Diamond Castle is. Spoiler alert, super, super gay. They also have, the first video I saw of theirs, super cool, um, was... Um, of, uh, it was an, a non-binary analysis of Gonzo um, from the Muppets. Gonzo, a queer analysis, um, which is reading Gonzo from the Muppets as non-binary, and I love it. Um, I love their channel and their content so much. Um, you should go check them out. I, I love their stuff. They just have a great way of talking about stuff, and it's just it's beautiful content, 10 out of 10. I love their content so much. They're just Aiden, A-I-D-E-N, Elizabeth, E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H, um, and that's on YouTube, and that's the same name on TikTok. Um, no underscores or dots or anything, um, just Aiden Elizabeth. You should go check out the content. They're really super cool, and I, I, I love the content so much. <laughs> But that is all for this week's episode of Stride with Pride. I hope you've enjoyed learning. Well, I don't know that it's necessarily enjoyable, but, you know, you've had a time listening to me talk about sexualization and fetishization. Fetishization? Fetishization. That. Um, And desexualization. And, yeah, it's a lot of things. Um, but I hope you, you know, had a time listening. <laughs> you are an amazing, wonderful person who is deserving of so much love and care, including taking care of yourself. So drink some water, get a snack or a meal, depending on the time of day. Um, and take care of yourself, please. Pretty please. Please. I hope you have a wonderful day, afternoon or evening, whenever you're listening to this. And don't forget to spread your joy. I'll see you next time. Bye. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.